0: This is I Hear Things for Friday, January 7th, 2022. Look, I got the year right and everything. The best schnitzel in Detroit. I have a theory today. It's a bit of a long one. It starts with Demi Lovato. It visits a swimming pool with Olivia Newton-John and ends with why podcast listening has been destroying commercial talk radio right under our noses. And, of course, schnitzel. So buckle up. On Wednesday, May 19th of last year, singer Demi Lovato came out as non-binary, and among the reasons they gave was this, and I'm quoting them, I'm doing this for those out there that haven't been able to share who they truly are with their loved ones. Please keep living in your truths, and know I am sending so much love your way. Now also, on that very day, Maddie Siegel, the morning host on Boston's Kiss 108 for over 40 years, it's my hometown here, decided to go on a tirade against uh, Demi Lovato's announcement over the airwaves and declared, quote, it's a joke, the whole binary thing. When KISS 108's management asked him to tone it down, Matty stormed off the air that very day, seemingly quitting on the spot. But he was back on the air the very next day. He opened his show by saying, I'm here, good morning. And later about the incident, Siegel had this to say. Of course, I talked to my wife about it, And I talked with the company and the company told me that they basically said, please don't quit. And they said, I have total support from them and freedom to say what I want. So I kind of won that battle. Now, before I go on here, I should note that if any station in Boston is the Demi Lovato station, it's KISS 108. They have historically been at or close to number one with women 18 to 49, 18 to 44 for decades. And as the big top 40 station here in Boston, KISS 108 is surely where you would go to hear the latest Demi Lovato hit. They have the most credible claim on that. Now, this incident has been simmering somewhere in the department store of my brain for about eight months now, lodged some floor between home furnishings and haberdashery. It just took me a while to fully process what really troubled me about it, besides the obvious. Now, how you feel about Demi Lovato really doesn't matter for the purposes of this example, but honestly, using your platform to cause pain to other people for your own personal gain does not put you on the side of the angels. Siegel called it comedy. Ha, ha. I'm going to give you the gut level but wrong question to ask about this incident. The first question, it's the easy one. Why did they let him back on the air without so much as a slap on the wrist. You know why they did. Now, critics of Siegel focus on the wrong issues, like how a septuagenarian continues to be the morning show host of a station designed to appeal to teens and young adults. Well, as a nation, we just mourned Betty White, so I think we can stow the ageism here. And others wonder how someone can continue to be Boston's number one morning show with women 18 to 49, when he literally phones it in from Florida. Well look, do you care where Jad does Radio Lab? Do you care where Ira Glass does this American Life or Howard Stern? Art Bell used to do Coast to Coast AM from a double wide trailer in Parump, Nevada. Now talent is talent. And Matty Siegel is talented. No, they let him back on the air without repercussions because it was the right business decision for them. Nobody delivers radio ratings in the morning to that target audience more than Matty. Now, this was true before he ridiculed Demi Lovato, and it remains true to this day. Nothing Matty did or said affected their ratings. He's still number one. So why didn't KISS 108 punish him is the wrong question. I'm going to give you the right question. It's the deeper level of this game. Why didn't the listeners punish Matt Siegel? How is it that the Demi Lovato station, the place you ostensibly go to hear their music, suffers no ratings repercussions whatsoever here in Boston by tacitly supporting hateful comments about a key artist. Now, I pose this not as a slam against KISS 108's current listeners. I'm sure they are smart, capable, and good, as my wife always says. They aren't listening to KISS in the Morning for Demi Lovato. They're listening for Maddie Siegel. KISS 108 plays Lovato, but they're not for Lovato fans. And here's the key thing. They are not for women 18 to 49 who listen to the latest music. They are for women 18 to 49 who listen to the radio for the latest music. This is a subtle point, and it bears further explanation, for which I will require the assistance of Olivia Newton John. By the way, the soundtrack to Xanadu, which had the Olivia Newton John side and the Electric Light Orchestra side, was the first vinyl album this boy ever bought. Let's go back 40 years now to when Maddie started as the morning show host at Kiss, and look at who was the Demi Lovato of the early 80s. Now, I've chosen Olivia Newton-John, who had the number one song for all of 1982, Physical. I'm sure you remember the workout video. It just barely beat out Eye of the Tiger, rising up straight to the top. Now, at that time, If you wanted to listen to Olivia Newton-John, you basically had two choices, AMFM radio or buy her latest album. Imagine the entire world of music listening as a big swimming pool. On the very edges of that pool are the people that bought her albums but did not listen to the radio at the time. These people are literally edge cases, not many of them. In the pool, it's all the radio they can listen to. If KISS 108 abruptly stopped playing Olivia Newton-John at the height of her popularity or worse, denigrated their gender identity, a bunch of people would have swum from the KISS 108 area of the pool to some other radio station's part of the pool. KISS's share of pool would decrease and the other station would benefit. That's because radio was the entire universe for free music listening. It was a big pool. Well, let's visit that pool in 2022 that pool is smaller. The people left regularly in the pool really like the pool. They stay in for long stretches. But the pool is smaller, and it's smaller for every station across the board. There are still a lot of people who use that pool every day, but a huge chunk of the youngest swimmers now only dip their toe in to test the water from time to time. And instead, they spend most of their time outside the pool with this thing called streaming audio. Now, in the KISS 108 part of this now smaller pool, a morning host says hurtful things about one of their core artists, but that station's share of pool remains largely unchanged. Why? Because the swimmers who really like Demi Lovato, the ones who would actively swim to other parts of the pool in a case like this, aren't even in that pool to begin with. Because even though KISS 108 plays Demi Lovato, She's way bigger outside that pool than she is inside that pool. In fact, Demi is one of the top 100 most streamed artists on Spotify with over 1 billion artist-led stations. That's more than Miley Cyrus. That's more than Harry Styles. It's even more than Pitbull. Although I believe Pitbull guests on all of the other streams, which makes the measurement of Pitbull kind of a theoretical exercise. It's the three-body problem, maybe harder. So if we only look in that pool, the pool of AM-FM radio listening, it doesn't look like there are many repercussions to denigrating Demi Lovato on the air. The swimmers, they just keep swimming. The station sees that, and a seemingly sound business decision is made. Let's keep the swimmers happy. Unfortunately for radio, they're currently locked into playing a game, and it isn't necessarily the best game right now. The fight for share of radio. That's what radio ratings give you, the percentage each station has of the available hours spent listening to radio. But as we have documented faithfully in our own share of ear work, that's the only service that measures and compares all audio listening, those hours are declining every single year, which means a five share in 2021, 5% of the 2021 radio audience is not the same thing as a five share was in 1981 the problem with all of that is something that i've talked about at length in this newsletter in this podcast the optimization trap it was the main subject of my favorite podcast of last year actually for i hear things who doesn't like pizza and i'll i'll link that again in the show notes i really like that one the gist of the particular principle from that podcast and this one is this it's important to consult your current listeners regularly, to see how you're doing. Now, if your audience is growing, keep doing it. But if your pool is shrinking, if your audience is actively shrinking, it is dangerous, dangerous to only ask the current swimmers. Now, my theory about the Maddie Siegel incident is that the whole thing blew over because the people who would have been most disturbed by it, Demi Lovato superfans, they weren't there to hear it the way they would have been in the pre-streaming days. And when your existing audience seems largely fine with it, it's the lower risk business decision to just roll with the swimmers when your share of pool remains strong. All right, that's the example. Now let's examine the whole theory writ large as evidenced by a different way to look at podcasting's share of ear. Now, in the last podcast, I talked about one of my favorite ratios in podcasting, the proportion of audio time that we spend listening to AM-FM radio versus the amount of time we spend listening to podcasts. Since we started measuring this in our share of ear service in 2014, radio's advantage has fallen from 25 to 1, 25 hours of radio content for every hour of podcasting content listened to. It's fallen from 25 to one in 2014 to about six to one today. But there's a more fascinating ratio and it's, it's been staring us right in the face. Whenever I update this ratio in the various talks and client presentations and even podcasts that I do, I generally frame it as a measure of how far podcasting has come, which is fair play. But what is not fair about this comparison is the huge advantage that AMFM radio has over podcasting, and that is a blanket royalty license for music. Broadcast radio can play all the licensed music they want, pretty much however they want, without a variable impact to their bottom line. But try putting three seconds of sympathy for the devil in the intro to your podcast, and at least financially speaking, you'll soon be sleeping with the fishes. Now, given that most of us listen mostly to music, This is a massive advantage for AMFM Radio, and I've written and podcast repeatedly about how sane music licensing may be the final restriction on the true unfettered potential of podcasting. Now, where would podcasting be at this moment in 2022 without that impediment? Well, as I said, the answer's kind of been staring us in the face. A couple of months ago, Edison and NPR released the latest edition of our annual collaboration, the spoken word audio report we broke out the distribution of spoken word audio listening by type radio podcast audiobooks etc and we excluded from that the time that we spend listening to music now since podcasting is overwhelmingly at least for now a spoken word audio platform it's more fair to compare podcasts specifically to talk radio news sports commentary any other form of non-musical radio content. Now, here's how that distribution has changed over the last eight years. And I will link to uh, the newsletter here in the podcast so you can actually see the graph. What the data tells us is that in 2014, of the time we spent listening to spoken word audio, 8% was on podcasts and 79% was over AM-FM radio, either broadcast or streamed simulcast from broadcast. Now today, that relationship is 22% to 48%. In other words, in 2014, what was a 10 to 1 ratio in favor of radio is now down to about 2 to 1. That's it. Podcasting now occupies nearly half as much of our spoken word audio as AM FM radio. Would you have guessed that one? Now, a ratio like that changes the conversation, I think, from, wow, look how far podcasting has come, to WTF radio. And I will not give the F here. I will not sacrifice my clean rating. So let's go ahead and ask that question. WTF radio? Now, I live in Boston, as I mentioned, which is a large enough market to have a fair number of locally produced programming and locally produced stations, right? Uh, We have a lot of local stations. We have a lot of local programming. We have two local public media powerhouses, WGBH and WBUR. For the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to leave the public media stations out of this. I'll get to that in a minute and just focus on our commercial stations. And even though we do have a lot of local talent and locally produced content here, our market probably looks a lot like your market. So I consulted... Uh, the latest Boston radio ratings, which uh, I thank uh, Radio Online for. There'll be a link to that uh, in the show notes. Just to look at what the top stations were in Boston and have a look at their programming. Now, the top station in Boston is WBZ FM, which is a local all-sports station, and you'll also see Sports Talker WEEI on that list as well. These are both mostly live and local. I mean, I'm sorry haters, but Boston is kind of title town. So sports radio is huge here, but it's all sports. It is one color on the palette. And then you've got all the music stations. Now, many of these stations have live and local morning shows, which, although they're mostly music, they do feature a smattering of talk. So we'll count a little of that, but not very much. The biggest top 40 station here is iHeart-owned Kiss 108, which still has its own local morning show, Matt Siegel, if you remember him from five minutes ago. Now, that's unusual for a company that syndicates Elvis Duran and Ryan Seacrest in so many markets from New York to Visalia, California, Uh, but Boston is its own kind of dog, and we do have a lot of great local morning show talent. But still, you couldn't really call these stations talk radio, even if they all do recaps of The Bachelor in the 8 a.m. hour. That leaves, if you take them out of it, and we will include the sports stations here, Uh, The remainder are the talk stations. Now, in a market the size of Boston, we have a genuine all-news station, WBZAM, legendary call letters, originates its own 24-hour news coverage. Now, this is an expensive and ambitious remit for a radio station. Uh, It's shared by some legendary stations across the United States, like 1010 Winds and News Radio 880 in in, uh, New York, WBBM in Chicago, KFI in L.A., Uh, and WTOP in Washington, D.C., which remains the top billing station in radio. These stations mostly broadcast their own originated live news reports 24 hours a day with a few feature shows on the weekends, and these are largely financial, but there are some other interests thrown in, just a a smattering. Now, most radio markets in the United States are not able to support their own truly live and local 24-7 news station in this fashion, but Boston is fortunate to. Uh, But instead, the rest of Boston's commercial talk radio landscape, and I would suggest probably most of yours as well, wherever you are in the U.S., looks a lot like what you see in the programming schedules for stations like our WRKO or uh, WXKS-AM, which is Talk 1200. It's politics and money. Now, I'm not even going to get into the whole thing about how conservative talk radio has become over the years Uh, In fact, the morning show host of Boston's top pure talk station, WRKO, describes himself as liberalism's worst nightmare. So, you know, welcome to the show. But my point is that the palette for commercial talk radio in America is largely limited to politics, sports, and money. You can look at the schedules of the stations in your market, and you'll see that I'm right. They've asked the current swimmers what they want, and that's what the current swimmers like. Now, these are of course wildly popular topics, politics, sports, and money. Uh, And you have talent like Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Dan Patrick, Dave Ramsey, they've all built successful podcast and broadcast empires around them, but it's just three notes. And it has to be said, it is a lot of white dudes. I mean, if you look at the schedule for WRKO here in Boston, AM 680, uh, and again, I have printed the pictures of all of these hosts on the, in the newsletter edition of this podcast. It's Joe Paggs, George Norrie, Gordon Deal, The Kuhner Report, who is liberalism's worst nightmare, uh, Barry Armstrong, Bill O'Reilly, Grace Curley, hi Grace, Howie Carr, more Bill O'Reilly, and Jesse Kelly. Uh, That's a lot of work for Grace Curley to do in that lineup, I have to say. Otherwise, it's all just a bunch of white dudes. Now, if you contrast that with our current ranker for the top uh, 50 podcasts by audience reach in the United States, you get a whole bunch of stuff. You'll see politics, sports, and money, yeah, but you'll also see comedy, true crime, fiction, celebrity gossip, even a first lady. Heck, more than one lady, period. It's all right there. It's as plain as can be. Now here, I'm gonna beat the drum for audience research a little bit. I left public media out of this because A, their palette is much broader. They paint with a lot more brushes than politics, sports, and money. And B, they are doing the work to understand audience, not just their current audience, not just the swimmers in their pool, but everything that's outside of the pool as well. And many commercial radio companies are just not doing this work, either not doing it to the same extent or likely not even doing it at all. The average 24-hour syndicated talk station in America operates like a bad sandwich shop. It looks like turkey is our bestseller. Let's make all the meat out of turkey. And look, let's give credit where credit is due. The reason people like Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino and Dave Ramsey are as big as they are in podcasting as they are in broadcasting Is because they are very good at what they do. Let's not get that twisted. But so many of the radio stations that carry them paint from the same single monochrome palette. It reminds me of when grunge really hit in the 90s and every label tried to sign bands that sounded like Nirvana and Pearl Jam or tried to, but there are no other bands like Nirvana or Pearl Jam. I miss Harvey Danger though. They were pretty good. Anyway, My point here is not to celebrate the growth of podcasting and spoken word. It's not. It's to take notice of just how much ground commercial radio has ceded to podcasters who've done nothing more than add back in all the colors spoken word audio can paint with. Podcasting surge isn't only about being an on-demand medium. It's about innovation. It's about taking risks. It's about closing the pool for renovations when it's easier to stick with the swimmers you have. Now, if radio continues its downward trend in time spent listening, saying that you are the number one country radio station in Albany will soon be like saying you're the number one schnitzel restaurant in Detroit. Weird flex, but okay. The message here for podcasters, keep painting with all the colors you have available. It is the bright, shining hope for spoken word audio. Keep an eye on your swimmers. But never forget the world outside of your pool. Strive to get inputs from both as you make big decisions. And for radio, well, the pool may be smaller, but it's still formidable. Now is a great time to innovate, take some risks, and access more of the colors in every sense of spoken word. That's enough damage for one podcast, I think, to paraphrase the late Warren Zivon. Enjoy every schnitzel. Uh, you can support the show at Buy Me a Coffee. There's a link in the show notes. It's buymeacoffee.com slash Tom Webster. I'm enjoying a snow day here in Boston. I hope you're having a wonderful day. This has been I Hear Things for Friday, January 7th, 2022. I'm Tom Webster. And I'll see you next time.